the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. Welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve the financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultant Incorporated. We're securities and investment advisory services are offered to Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of Finra and Pacific. Cornerstone Consultant is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. What happened to the spring? <laughs> I was expecting sunshine and rising temperatures, but old bad winter is still with us. I'm looking out on my lawn, <laughs> and it's covered with snow, and it's still snowing here. So, why is it snowing in the second week of spring? But, hey, I know we have to be patient. I remember when it snowed in the middle of May, but a hey, and remember that March and April are those transition months, you know, between the winter and the summer. One day cloudy and cold, the next day warmer with some sunshine. And I've been looking outside watching the green shoots, and they're still taking their time. I haven't seen anything bloom yet. And besides, it's too wet to get to get uh, much done outside in the backyard. Kind of soggy. And but after the long winter... There's always things that need attention, and hopefully the weather will begin warming up, And because I really want to get out there and spend more time outside, even if I have chores to do. And sometimes this weekend, uh, we'll find the time to pay attention to our financial planning, and uh, even maybe even finish up the taxes. I think we've got until uh, 
Monday, uh, April 5th, 18th, I guess, to get it finished. And uh, we also have time to take a look and see what's going on in the business world and, and happening into our investment. This week, global equities were mixed in the U.S. All the equities were positive, but the three major stock indices rebounding in a, in a second consecutive week. Uh, in the U.K., the FTSE 100, they, they gained for the week, while in the European Union, both Germany's DAX and the uh, stock Europe 600 were down for the week. That's not, not down very much, though. And in Asia, Japan's Nikkei 225 was up, while China's Shanghai Composite and Hong Kong's uh, Hang Seng were both down for the week. On Friday, uh, the three major stock indices uh, uh, closed up. The Dow Jones closed at 34,861.24. It was up uh, 0.31% for the week. The Standard and Poor 500 closed at 4,543.06. And it was up 1.8% for the week. And the NASDAQ Composite closed at 14,169.30. And it was up 1.98% for the week. And even though the stock indices rose this week after rising last week, too, they're still down from their start, uh, from the start of 2022. The Dow Jones is still down uh, minus 4.06% year-to-date. Standard & Boer down 4.67% year-to-date. And the NASDAQ down 9.43%. Year today, so the U.S. stock indices uh, rebounded in their second uh, consecutive week. Hopefully, indicates that the investors are confident that the economy can withstand the Federal Reserve's plans. You know, they laid out their plans. Well, they've been laying it out since uh, you know since December and January, and finally uh, last. Uh, um, the Wednesday before last, they finally laid out their detail plan, and the Federal Reserve is going to raise the interest rates, uh, and they're going to gradually raise them about uh, 2% this year, and they say they're going to raise it maybe another half a percent next year. If they raise it another 2% next year, too, I don't, I don't think that's going to be a big thing one way or the other. Uh, they're going to raise it in steps. They originally started with the one-quarter percent steps, but then uh, increases. But then they're talking about a half a, a couple half a percent increases thrown in there, and these increases will occur every uh, uh, federal open market committee meeting, which happens approximately every six weeks. So, uh, and they're also, along with raising the rates. They're going to start selling some bonds from their uh, approximately $9 trillion portfolio of bonds. The Federal Reserve has been gathering these bonds ever since the uh, 2008 uh, you know, bond uh, bank crisis or housing crisis, whatever you want to call it. And uh, they really uh, stepped it up when the COVID struck in February of 2020. And... Uh, so now they got close to $9 trillion worth of bonds that they're going to start to sell. That's going to be 
made effort on their part to draw money out of the economy. Uh, you know, when they were buying bonds uh, after the COVID, they bought $120 billion per month of bonds. That stopped uh, this month, and now they're going to turn around and start selling these bonds, which will draw money out of the economy. So when they were buying, they were pushing money into the economy. Now when they're going to be selling, they're going to be pulling money out of the economy. And how much are they going to? How much uh, bonds are they going to sell? We'll probably have to wait till the next uh, federal open market committee meeting. That's scheduled for May third and fourth. Before we have a good estimate of uh, when the bond selling begins and uh, how much will be sold each month. There's been rumors that uh, the bond selling will start sometime in July and involve approximately uh, 100 to 150 billion dollars. Per, per month, but uh, the Federal Reserve hasn't provided uh, uh, either dates or amounts yet. They said they're going to provide it at this May meeting. Yeah, but in addition to the Federal Reserve, there's other headwinds that we have to contend with. The, the Russian invasion of the Ukraine continues with all the suffering and pain weighing on the Ukraine, Ukrainian citizens. And the outcome of the war is, is unknown, uh, but they're fighting like the devil, as we know that the cost to rebuild the Ukraine will be enormous after they kick the Russians out. Uh, and uh, these sanctions, another headwind will be these sanctions uh, that uh, were piling on top of Russia and maybe even China before this whole thing ends. Companies are going to have to figure out how they're doing business in, in this turmoil because uh, they saw the headlines, but they don't know the real details yet. And but on the other direction, there's good strong you know tailwinds in this economy. You know, we're finished the COVID uh, pandemic. Uh, you know, cross your fingers, knock on wood. Uh, uh, the COVID hopefully is under control. Uh, here, not so much in Asia or Africa. Uh, nationally, the new new cases of COVID are down to 30,000 a day, and that's down 15% over the last two weeks. And the deaths nationally over the 320 million citizens in the United States are basically 830 per day, which is down 36% over the last two weeks. And uh, looking at Ohio, Ohio has about 530 cases per day, and that's down 28% over the last two weeks. And the number of deaths is down somewhere less than 30, and that's down 35%. So basically what we're seeing is a large portion of the U.S. population is uh, has developed immunity, even either because they got the uh, full vaccination for three shots, and we're probably going to get a fourth shot sooner or later because these, do, these vaccine shots do wear off. And uh, they either got uh, their vaccines or they got COVID and, and uh, they have to tell about it. So a large portion of the U.S. population developed the immunity. immunity. And you know, look at our, for other things, the economy is strong. And uh, even with the uh, the Federal Reserve, it will probably grow basically above its potential in 2022. If we look back on the fourth quarter 
of 2021, the GDP growth uh, for that quarter was 7%. And if we look back for the entire uh, uh, 2021, it was something like 5.6%. Now, 5.6%, you got to compare that to the usual uh, GDP growth number per year, which is somewhere uh, around two if you have a, have a good year. It could be as low as one and a half percent. So the GDP growth uh, estimate that the Federal Reserve put out originally in uh, January was something like four percent this year for 2022. But now they say with these increased uh, interest rates and uh, and uh, the uh, uh, bond selling, it might go down to 2.8 percent, which is still a good number. I personally, and uh, looking around, I see numbers that uh, are somewhere in the order of three and a half percent, even with the uh, interest rates going up and the uh, body selling. So uh, it's still a good year, still going to be a good year. The consumer spending, uh, basically, hey, the consumer spending reflects uh, solid income growth. Wages and salaries are up close to six percent. Per year, uh, the labor market is tight. You know, we had that JOLTS report that showed that there was something like uh, I don't know, 11 point something million uh, job openings, and that was about five million more open positions than there are in unemployed people. And the consumer's balance sheets uh, they improved during the COVID years. You know, most people continued to work, maybe at home. Uh, the unemployment benefits basically were over $50,000 a year between the federal and the state unemployment benefits. Of course, they've all stopped. You know, they really stopped Labor Day of last year. Uh, and people, uh, there was forbearance with regard to paying your mortgage payments and your student loan payments. Of course, by forbearance, they mean they weren't canceled. They just tagged it on to the end of it. If you had a 15-year mortgage, you didn't pay your mortgage for two years, then you've got a 17-year mortgage now. And basically, people were locked up and they weren't spending on restaurants or travel or, or almost anything. So the bank accounts grew, and there's something like $2 trillion in supposedly in excess savings or savings in, in, uh, above what we usually have. And you, what you're seeing now is that there's a lot of pent-up demand that's going to propel the economy forward. Uh, cars are a good example. You know, before the COVID, uh, you know, uh, it was usual to sell about approximately 17, 17 million to 17 and a half million cars per year. Uh, now I think they're down to uh, less than 15 million. That's because principally because of the chip shortage, and uh, uh, once the chip shortage is resolved, then you're going to see a big demand for cars, travel, and and vacations, and restaurants are also uh, uh, benefiting from this. Uh, um, people getting out and about more, and you're also going to see more capital spending, you know, from the companies uh, with their increased profits. And uh, if, uh, with the labor shortage we're having, they're going to have to spend uh, big bucks 
in terms of labor shapes, labor saving machinery and things of this nature. So even home construction, you know, home construction is going like this, going like wildfire, but it might slow down, but it still continues, will continue to grow even with the increased interest rates, strictly because, uh, hey, the, uh, uh, the inventory of houses is at a record low. Uh, if you take a look at the uh, home construction in February, uh, it was up 7%. Starts were up 7% above the January numbers. And, and uh, February starts were up 22% above uh, starts uh, a year ago. So the, the strength of the U- U.S. economy also shows up in that fourth quarter earnings that we've been talking about for the last, you know, two or three weeks. We're finally, we've wrapped that up. Uh, you know, 99% of the standard and poor 500 companies have reported so far, and approximately 75% of the country companies beat their, their earnings expectations. And according to a J.P. Morgan report, the fourth quarter earnings uh, showed a uh, year-over-year earnings per share growth of 48%, and a quarter-over-quarter earnings per share growth rate of 8.9%. So what you're seeing is that the uh, uh, the managers of the uh, Standard and Poor 500, hey, they're uh, very effective in protecting their earnings. You know, their profit margins for the fourth quarter were tracking uh, 13.2%. And I see a lot of companies out there that are in the the 20% range. And... uh, uh, these are good numbers, and what the managers are doing is protecting their earnings in spite of the uh, uh, supply chain problems and the high inflation, the increased labor costs, and the, and the, uh, uh, the uh, raw material costs. The secret is basically preserving those earnings just to pass all the extra costs down to the next guy, you know, and finally... After it rolls downhill for a while, it comes to us. And uh, uh, what we're doing is uh, the latest in the CPI numbers for inflation uh, show 7.9%, I think, in uh, January. And I think the, uh, the, uh, the numbers, the inflation numbers that the Federal Reserve uses is the uh, personal consumption expenditure. And that's... Uh, uh, approximately 6.1% over the last 12 months. So, uh, in any case, uh, uh, the, the earnings are there, and uh, wherever you look, there's there's basically progress. One of the things that we have to take a look at is that, uh, hey, the economy is progressing against the headwinds. Uh, the companies are doing well. How do we do it? You know, or what does your financial plan look like? I know that stocks have been down since the start of the year, uh, but uh, apparently they're turning around now. And uh, uh, what we're going to see is increased uh, earnings. So uh, to me, uh, where do you stand in terms of uh, your allocation of your monies that are coming into the house, either through uh, your paycheck or your rental income 
or uh, your uh, gig work, where is that going and how is it being allocated in terms of current living expenses? You know, when you have your family, you've got a uh, certain standard of living that has to be upheld. And if you can't uphold it, rather than have it diminished, you generally get an extra job or hunt for a better job. How are you distributing your money into uh, buckets or pots or funds that uh, are uh, um, used, will be used in the future to fund your goals? Your goals are certainly a good um, standard of living for the family, maybe a better house, maybe to fix up this house, uh, maybe a vacation home maybe the education of the children, and certainly at the end of the whole thing is retirement. So, uh, you know, it all takes money to do those things. You do have your goals, you do have your plans, and and uh, you've got to allocate those uh, resources that are coming in the door from whatever sources to uh, make them, uh, invest them and make them grow. Otherwise, you won't have those uh, monies when they're, when it's time to uh, fulfill those goals. And basically, all along this time, you've got to live life, uh, take care of the family, uh, uh, do better in your work, uh, and at the same time, prepare for emergencies, too. Do you have enough life insurance? Do you have enough insurance on the house? Do you have uh, uh, enough liability? Do you have enough car insurance? Things of this nature. So, Along the way, this great plan, this roadmap that you're you're laying out to get to your goals, you got to protect yourself from all these these other uh, calamities and surprises along the way. And basically, when you look at, for instance, like life insurance, life insurance, you know, term life insurance is basically the way to go for most people nowadays, and uh, it's as cheap as you can get. So. Take a look at that. Talk to your insurance people about uh, uh, what it is. Take to your, talk to your property and casualty people about uh, the liability on the house and the liability on the car. In other words, it's uh, it's not unusual to, to uh, you know, you read about it all the time. It's unusual, but you read about it all the time of people literally getting wiped out with uh, judgments uh, because of accidents and uh calamity in the home and as well as particularly in the car. So all those things have to be looked at and you have to put that plan together. And the best way to do that is to basically start start to start thinking about it. That's the best way. Start thinking about it and start realizing that uh, you have to do it. Now's the time to do it. Uh, put together a plan in your mind, put it on a piece of paper, uh, and then go talk to somebody, you know, go talk to us or, or another financial planner that can uh, lay out a financial plan for you. So, and then you got a roadmap and the roadmap will change, but it not, will not change that much as circumstances change in your life. But there you got something you can move forward with, with confidence that, hey, uh, uh, if I want to make a decision on uh, something that isn't in my plan, uh, then you have a plan that you can gauge it against and say, well, if I want a new boat or a new vacation home or I want to 
quit my job or and uh, take uh, a few months off. Hey, what are you going to give up? In other words, you take a look at your plan and say, okay, uh, uh, I've uh, attained this plan and I've attained these goals and uh, what am I going to give up to do these other things? And sometimes you might decide to do the other things, but most of the time they'll decide, well, it's not giving up. I'm not willing to give up the things that I've been planning for all these years. So you stick with the plan, and uh, it's a good roadmap to the future. So this is Jim McAleese. Uh, you're listening to Get Rich Slow. In the second half of the program, we'll go into the details of why the economy is strong and uh, uh, the different aspects of the economy. But this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. is 1-888-281-1110. It's 1-888-281-1110. Give us a call. You can talk about the big picture. You can talk about the, the micro picture, and that's us. And uh, uh, just give us a call, and we'll talk. And uh, uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultant Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow. Welcome back to Get Rich Show. This is your host this morning, Tim McAleese. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. is one 888 You know, we talked about uh, home, new home construction, and uh, basically new home construction has been running at a, a furious pace now for basically the last two years. And, uh, you know, the COVID didn't slow it down one bit. Actually, the COVID really put the pressure on it in terms of uh, people didn't want to uh, live in the high-rises anymore and share the elevators and the whole business. So the home-building uh, industry took off. And uh, basically what you're seeing is that the U.S. government keeps track of what's going on in that industry. And they have uh, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development uh, they put out a monthly new residential construction uh, report uh, each month. And for February, uh, 
it shows that uh, uh, comparing uh, February to January, uh, starts rose 6.8% in February from January, and basically starts were 22.3% higher in February than February a year earlier. So housing starts exploded, and give you a, a picture of the whole thing, uh, in terms of home construction, which includes, uh, you know, uh, single-family homes as well as multifamily homes. Um, the permits were down uh, 1.9% in uh, February. Uh, again, I mentioned the starts were up 6.8%, and the completions were up uh, 5.9%. Those numbers are compared to January numbers. But in February, uh, a year ago, the permits uh, in February compared to February a year ago, permits were up 7.7%. And starts were up 22.3%. Uh, the completions were down 2.8%, but that is primarily due to basically what you're seeing is that uh, uh, the, the uh, home construction has run into structural constraints in terms of uh, hey, there's uh, not enough skilled labor, there's not enough uh, improved lots, and particularly now with regard to the uh, supply chain uh, screw-ups, it's difficult to uh, uh, to finish the homes. In other words, the, uh, the, uh, the truck comes into the yard and uh, uh, they unload and uh, the driver shows you the uh, sheet and uh, half of the order has been back ordered. So uh, how do you get a job started or how do you get a job finished when you haven't got the fixtures or the cabinets or the or the uh, the things that are necessary to sell out, so that's one of the problems that their their housing is running into. New home construction is running into right now, and that's dragging out the uh, time to completion on uh, constructing the house. And uh, if we compare. Uh, um, single family versus multi-families, what we see in terms of February versus January uh, is that the permits for the single family were down a half a percent in February. The starts were up 5.7% for the single family, and the completions were up 12.1%. The multi-family, the permits were down Four and a half percent. The starts were up eight tenths of one percent, and the completions were down eleven point three percent. So, and if we compare two months, and if we compare uh, February of this year to February of last year, the permits were up uh, for single families were up five point four percent, and for multifamilies were up twelve percent. The starts were up. Uh, Single-family starts were up 13.7%. Uh, multifamily starts were up 37.3%. Completions were up 1.7% for single-families and down 169 for multifamilies. Let's take a few minutes and go to our telephone line. Hello, this is Jim McAleese. Hello. Yeah. Hello, Hi. John. Hi, Jim. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. How about you? Okay, I got a question for you on uh, bond uh, mutual funds. 
you know, with the interest rates going up like they are, uh, these funds are starting to uh, drop off quite a bit. I'm wondering if there's a better uh, solution for um, a little more safety other than, you know, just getting a CD or something. Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, what you have to do, well, let, let's, let's talk about the problem first, and then let's talk about the solution. The problem basically, and you probably know it already, uh, the problem is that uh, as interest rates go up, uh, the value of your bond goes down. Uh, whether you're holding a bond, individual bond, or whether your bond's in a uh, mutual fund. So uh, the, in a mutual fund, uh, you're collecting the interest, which is always positive, um, but the value of the bonds in the bond fund is decreasing. So I'll give you an example. If you bought a bond, uh, uh, let's say you bought a, a, a bond, a 4% bond, you paid $1,000 for it, and uh, it pays you $40 a year, and you hold on to it. It'll pay you $40 a year until uh, you redeem it at its maturity for the $1,000. Now, you say, well, what's this, what's this bond worth? So let's say you bought it two years ago, and you go to a bond broker, and you say, would you buy this bond? And the bond broker will say, sure. Uh, but wait a second. Let me check on check uh, and see what the going rate for a brand-new bond like yours is. So he looks it up and says, well, uh, let's say you've got a 10-year bond. It's double-A. You know, it was 4%. The going rate was 4% a year, two years ago. Now it's 6%. So he's got to make a decision. Well, am I going to, uh, I can buy a brand new bond for $1,000. It pays me $60 a year. Or I can buy your bond that pays me $40 a year. So he says, I'll buy your bond, but I can't give you $1,000 for it. Because the equation he's going to use is 60 divided by 1,000 is equal to 40 divided by something. So he might give you 800. Whatever, whatever divisor, when you divide it into the 40, will give you 6%. So that's why, as interest rates are going up, you, the people with bond funds are going to have a harder and harder time. If you want to stay in bonds, basically what you have to do is go to the short duration of bonds. And uh, basically one of the places that I look in terms of the uh, bond fund, would be uh, short-duration inflation-protected uh, bonds. Uh, they give you uh, maybe a 2% or something uh, above, uh, uh, you know, 2% uh, return rather than uh, a big 4 or 5% return. Okay, so it depends upon... Uh, uh, you're, you're kind of if you go if you want to stay in bonds, uh, you got to go to short duration, and uh, I say short duration and uh, uh, inflation protected or uh, government bonds. Government bonds give you safety, um, and uh, the short duration protects you from this. Um, uh, degrading effect of the rising interest rates 
you know the interest rates are rising. They said, Federal Reserve said, that's exactly what we're going to be doing. So uh, as they raise these uh, federal funds rates by 2% per year, that's going to raise the entire yield curve by 2% at least. So uh, you're going to see these uh, long-term bonds really take a beating. So you could go to high-yield bonds, uh, but there's more risk there. So you either go to short duration or you go to high yield. Okay. What if um, that makes sense? But but do you have any other um, alternatives other than the, the bonds? Well, it, you know, it depends upon how much work you're willing to put into it. Now, if you want to go into real estate, uh, that's a different story. And uh, uh, there are different ways of making money other than uh, passive investment. So, but if, if you're stuck in passive investment, I think it's basically uh, short duration inflation protected bonds. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. I right. appreciate it. You, right. t- you take care, John. Have a good day now. This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, you can give us a call over our uh, toll free number. It's 1 888 281 Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is Jim McAleese. One of the things that, uh, uh, you know, we were we were talking about was that uh, the, the home construction, new home construction is rolling along. And if I compare uh, uh, basically, you know, this year versus last year starts for single family homes uh, this year. That's only two months versus two months of last year. They're up 7.3%. And multifamily homes are up 20.3%. But, uh, again, the completions are down. The completion numbers are down. And that's strictly because it takes a hell of a lot of work to get these homes completed nowadays because uh, uh, you can complete 95% of the home, but... uh, if you can't uh, get the fixtures in and, and things of this nature uh, because of delays, then uh, you can't sell this home. And uh, all the while, uh, your costs are increasing because you've got to carry this this home. So uh, home construction is doing fine. Uh, new residential sales. New residential sales, are, are, uh, they came down a little bit in February. And, uh, and there's still a lot of demand because uh, you know, people still want to get into, get away from the, um, oh, call it close-in housing or whatever the name for it is. Um, we've done, we're done the, uh, the cheap uh, interest rates now. Uh, 
Right now, uh, you're looking at a 30-year conforming uh, mortgage rate is somewhere around 4.6%. Uh, when I say conforming, that means uh, uh, 20% down, good work record, uh, things of this nature. So uh, something that can be something that Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac can assemble into a big bond for investors and big investors and banks. So uh, last year, it used to be, uh, well, the middle of last year, it used to be 3%, but it's been going up and up and up. Right now, it's approximately 30-year conforming rate is approximately 4.6%. And uh, uh, sales of new single-family homes are down 2% in February from January. And uh, uh, the uh, sales of if you take a look at it, uh, home sales, new construction is far below their peak during the years of uh, 2002 through 2007. In that time, there was huge uh, home construction activity, but the uh, large-scale construction boom in multifamily buildings and condo towers and apartment towers uh, kind of put that on the back burner. But now it's coming back again. So if you take a look at uh, uh, home prices, the home prices are going up at an extreme rate. Uh, what do I see here? I think you're, you're uh, the price of a single family home. Uh, is uh, the median price is $400,000 in February. And if you take a look and say, okay, what are the builders building? You'll see that if you put it in, lump it into different categories, here's a category less than 150,000. 0% of the homes are in that category. 100 to uh, 150 to $200,000. Uh, last February, uh, not last February, February of 2021, 5% of the houses were in that category. Today, February today, none, zero. Uh, the 200 to 300,000 uh, in February, 18% uh, of the uh, houses were in that category a year ago. 26% of the houses were in that category. Uh, the three hundred dollars to $400,000 category, 32% uh, of the new homes are in that category. And last year, it was 29% of the new homes are in that category. The four hundred dollars to $500,000 uh, price tag, 16% of the homes today are in that category. The five hundred dollars to 750000 23% of the homes sold in February are in that category, and over uh, 750,000, uh, 10% of the homes are in that category, new homes. And so you're seeing that basically 50% of the homes uh, are in the two hundred dollars to $400,000 category, and 49% of the homes sold in uh, February or in the 400 to 750,000 and over uh, category. So 
a lot of people are basically getting priced out of the market in terms of uh, uh, new home construction. And, and the same thing with uh, existing home construction, too. Uh, the uh, National Association of Realtors, uh, they put out their numbers for uh, pending home sales. And uh, uh, what you're seeing is existing home sales have been trending downward uh, because of increased prices and the low number of homes for sale. Uh, if you go out and look at a home, at homes for sale, there's only about one and a half months of uh, homes for sale, months uh, of inventory for sale. So uh, the mortgage rates are going up. Yesterday, the National Association of Realtors and their pending home sales reported that pending home sales slipped in February, making four consecutive months of sales transaction decreases. The pending home sales index is a, basically it's an indicator, forward indicator of home sales. And it's based upon contract signings as opposed to, uh, you know, uh, as opposed to uh, contract closing. Uh, contract signing means that uh, your um, seller has accepted your bid while the closing might happen to it a month or two later. And that's where the, the, the closing is where you transfer the money and the title. So depending on sales for uh, February indicated uh, was down uh, 4.1%. And according to the uh, National Association of Realtors Chief Economist, Lawrence Young, uh, quote, uh, pending transactions diminished in February mainly due to the low number of homes for sale. Uh, buyer demand is still intense, but it's as simple as no one can buy what's not for sale. Uh, he then continued along with along with uh, uh, climbing home prices, and now buyers must grapple with the rising mortgage rates. And notes that noted that shoppers will likely uh, want to lock in their rates before they further increase. Uh, he continued on, it's still an extremely competitive market with fast changing conditions regarding aff- affordability or ahead. Consequently, home sellers cannot simply bump bump up prices in the coming months, but need to assess the changing market conditions to attract buyers. So, basically, uh, uh, it indicates that today in February, February, uh, the pending home sales are coming down 4%, and that will show up probably another two months in actual uh, sales. And uh, let's turn to the manufacturing and, and uh, uh, to the economy in terms of the manufacturing and the uh, uh, service industries. Uh, the S&P Global Flash U.S. Purchasing Managers Index uh, is provided by S&P, and they provide a, a qualitative assessment of the managers in the uh, uh, manufacturing industries and also in the uh, uh, service industries. And uh, we're going to be talking about numbers. And remember, the number 50 is neutral, and anything above 50 is an expansion. So 
according to their report, the latest flash data from uh, S&P Global signaled an uptick, uptick in output growth across the U.S. private sector in March as the pace of expansion quickened to an eight-month high. Manufacturers and service providers registered stronger outputs in activity, largely supported by pent-up demand and the easing of the uh, COVID uh, uh, restrictions. If you take a look at their manufacturing, flash manufacturing, purchasing managers index posted 58.5 in March, up from 57.3 in February to indicate a sharp improvement in operating conditions across the manufacturing sector. Stronger expansions in output, new orders, employment, and uh, stocks have helped uh, uh, propel the uh, overall uptick. If you take a look at the uh, service component of the uh, economy at uh, 58.9 in March, the uh, U.S. uh, the Standard and Poor Global Last U.S. Services uh, uh, Purchasing Managers Index uh, signaled uh, the strongest rise in output in eight months. Uh, Greater activity is driven by marked increases in new businesses. That was the sharpest since uh, June of 2021 as demand conditions increased. So, and they did write up uh, Chris uh, Williamson. He wrote basically a summary that goes like this. The pace of U.S. economic growth accelerated sharply in March as COVID containment uh, measures were relaxed to the lowest since the pandemic began, offsetting a drag from growing concerns about the Ukraine war. Output across both manufacturing and services rose at a rate not seen since last June, with inflows of new businesses surging at a rate uh, uh, since the strongest uh, rebound of the economy seen in the second quarter of last year. Services led the upturn as the hospitality sector in particular benefited from looser uh, pandemic restrictions, uh, though manufacturing output also accelerated, buoyed by rising demand and fewer supply constraints. So supply bottlenecks uh, uh, fell to their lowest in uh, 14 months. So basically what you're seeing is that the capacity continues to be stretched with March seeing an unprecedented buildup of uh, backlog as firms uh, struggle to meet demand. Hence, job creations picked up again at the highest in nearly a year as firms sought to expand to meet rising sales, both at home and abroad. Not only did domestic demand improve, but new expectations also, also rose at a rate not seen since uh, last May. So uh, what you're seeing there is that both the manufacturing and the service section of the economy are going full steam ahead and uh, principally in response to um, the end of the uh, COVID restrictions and uh, uh, the uh, capital goods orders and things of this nature. So uh, that's one of the headwinds or the tailwinds we were talking about with regard to the economy. So this is Jim McAleese. Uh, Stay tuned. I'll be right back. 
Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is a, a after uh, this is the discussion about durable goods orders, and uh, uh, after four consecutive months of growth, the U.S. durable goods orders in February declined 2.2 percent from January, and that was very very surprising. That came from a government report. But if you take a look at the growth in durable goods orders, November. Up 3.2 percent. December up up 1.2 percent. January up 1.6 percent. Now in February went down 2.2 percent. But uh, if you actually take a look inside the report, most of the non-seasonable adjusted categories were positive, and so the decrease could be due to a seasonable adjustment. But irrespective of the seasonable adjustments, the loss in uh, orders seems to be isolated in the uh, non-defense aircraft category. So the February orders for civilian aircraft in February were down 30.4% from January. And previously, civilian aircraft orders were up 42% in November, 24% in December, 15.6% 15.6% in January and down 30.4%. They were down, they were down from uh, 19.6 billion in January to 13.6, and that was the decrease of uh, $6 billion in uh, February's numbers. But don't feel too bad about the uh, aircraft manufacturers because their backlog in February is $853 billion of backlog. So they've got seven, they got another nine months before they work through their backlog. Uh, civilian aircraft is fairly expensive. The price of a Boeing 737 is approximately $100 million. A Boeing 737 match. So basically what happens is the, air, the airlines buy these things in bulk. To get the best discounts, and it's not unusual that those orders come in five billion dollar chunks. So uh, now what you're seeing is that you just in this uh, report, who's the report coming from? It must be from the Department of Commerce. That report really reflects that uh, there weren't as much uh, orders for the big jets in uh, February as in in November, December, January. So uh, it really is kind of meaningless. Uh, to, me, to me, it indicates that the, uh, the uh, economy in terms of manufacturing as well as the service industries uh, is in good shape. Uh, it's a tight labor market. Uh, people can get jobs. Uh, the industries need workers, and uh, it's a good time to look around and see if there's a better job available in terms of your career. So this is Jim McAlee. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Stay tuned. I'll be right back.
Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. Hey, hello, in times of trouble, or when it's snowing out, <laughs> you, have to, you have to remember that life is good. The clouds will blow away and the sun will shine and the flowers and the trees, they'll grow. And we have a great day to look forward to. Today, when I woke, I suddenly realized that this is the best day of my life. There were times I wondered if I would make it to today, and I'm going to celebrate today. The accomplishments, the blessings, and my very good luck and fortune. Yes, even the hardships, because what doesn't tell us makes us stronger. I will marvel at simple gifts, the morning dew, the sunrise, the clouds, the old and wise trees, the flowers, the birds, and even the weeds of my garden. I'll share my excitement with others. I'll make someone smile. I will go out of my way to perform a random act of kindness for somebody that I don't even know. I will give a sincere compliment to someone who is down. I will tell a friend how special they are and tell someone I love how deeply I care for them. Today is the day you should quit worrying about what you don't have and start being grateful for what you do have. And tonight, before you go to bed, sneak outside and gaze at the stars. Might be a little difficult in today's world. Maybe take your children and your spouse because it's better when great amazing things are shared. And you will sleep the sleep of a contented child because you'll know that tomorrow is going to be the best day of your life. Remember, a little attitude can be a great big influence in your life. So, until we meet again next week before we get this show, may God protect you and keep you safe. You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.